you real? Well, if you can't tell, does it matter? Drop it. Duncan and both come correct. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It is I, Bo Ransdell. I am one of two people who, who will be guiding you on a journey into uh, a fictional land known as Westworld. With me, uh, it seems like as always, but not so much lately. Uh, it is a reunion of sorts. Uh, my compadre, my my brother from another mother, Duncan McLeish. How are you? Well, sir? hello there, little lady. That's that's a Western accent, isn't it? <laughs> I, that, that's, I, I nailed that one. Come on, please tell me I nailed that one. Please tell me I'm not dying on air here. I I don't. Really... I'll fix your wagon. No. Uh, I mean, if, if like if <laughs> John Wayne skull. had been punched repeatedly in the skull. <laughs> If John Wayne had cerebral palsy, then that is how it would sound. Well done, Duncan. Yes, yes. Uh, it, your your gift for impressions is, I mean, it's almost Rich Little-like. <laughs> so, so we will refer to me as Stroke John Wayne from now on. Um, uh, you know, that's good. how they referred to him, too, at the end. So yeah, towards the end, yeah. You're in good company. Well, towards the end, he was he was juggling what about seven strokes, three heart attack, uh, three heart attacks, five different strains of cancer. They just don't make men like that anymore, Bo. Yeah, well, that was the secret that he uh, he gave us all. Really, is that you don't want to get cancer, but if you have like twelve cancers, a lot of times they go right after each other and ignore you entirely. That's this is true. This is true. But then it got me thinking. He had so many things wrong with him at the end, and he didn't. He kind of held on, still making movies. Maybe he was a robot, Bo. Duncan, that leads us to our conversation tonight. Of course, well done. Uh, we are, of course, disgusting. Disgusting. Dis- we are disgusting. That is a valid. That is the, <laughs> that is the most honest thing that's ever been said on this show. We are disgusting. We are filthy, filthy human beings. Uh, but in this case, uh, garbage people like ourselves are now going to turn our focus to the new uh, HBO series based on uh, the Michael Crichton uh, film, Westworld. Uh, and we the last time we did this was with the X-Files. Yes, and that turned out fantastic. That was that a lot of fun. end up being a huge disappointment. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but doing the shows was great fun. Mm-hmm. And and I like to think that uh, as always we are edutainment that we uh, we edutainment. that we not only can give our listeners a glimpse into the world of Westworld and our own perceptions of uh, the, this world, uh, but also uh, entertain them along the way. Uh, and that's really where the, the disgusting part comes in. <laughs> so uh, to kick us off, Duncan, I have a couple of questions for you. Um, so bear with me because some of these require a little setup. All right. It's your birthday. Someone gives you a calfskin wallet. How do you react? No it, pass. Okay. You've got a little boy. He shows you his butterfly collection plus the killing jar. What do you do? Slap him. Okay. Uh, you're watching television. Suddenly you realize there's a wasp crawling on your arm. I burn the house down and myself. All right. <laughs> this, this is going swimmingly. Describe in single words only the good things that come into your mind about your mother. I'm nothing but... 
all right. I I, I got to tell you, Duncan, you, uh, according to my Voight Kampf uh, test in front of me, uh, are in fact a replicant. I'm and, a rip. Oh no. Yeah, I. It, a lot of people are surprised by it. Uh, you know, Harrison Ford, chief among them. <laughs> How excited are you for this new movie? Um, tentatively. Bull, bull. I, I mean, I love I love Dennis Villeneuve. I love yes. Blade Runner. Yes. Uh, I think Ryan. You Gosling, love Ryan Gosling. I, Everyone I, loves Ryan Gosling. Yeah, it, it's Grandpa Ford that it's is my every question. Every single day. Is, but no, no, stop calling him Grandpa Ford. Right, just because he was. All right, great Grandpa Ford. Just because he he had a senior moment in the in the the last Star Wars movie doesn't mean he's going to carry that over into into the new movie, the new Blade Runner. But I'm telling, I am excited. I, there was a picture of him, Ryan Gosling, Dennis Villeneuve, and um, Ripley Scott all standing together on the set, and I was just like, "Yep, yeah, that just yep, yeah, my geek boner is at full turgidity. I am ready." I'm ready to unload. Um, <laughs> I, so, how far do you want to go with this metaphor? I'm stopping it there. All right. For, I for want the sake to, of our listeners. I want to explode on this film and perhaps wither disappointingly afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> I, want to use the, I want to use the Blu-ray as a modified cock ring. Um, I, yeah, see, at that point, there's no double entendre. That's just entendre. Yeah, that's... <laughs> <laughs> that's how I go. That's how I go. First, first it's all subtle, and then it's just smut. Yeah. Uh, I, which brings us to Westworld. Um, yes, my God. <laughs> so we've got two episodes to get through uh, tonight. Uh, mm-hmm. We will we will be uh, doing our, our level damn best uh, to do this on the regular, so that uh, we we don't we don't have to stockpile episodes like this. Um, but I. I would argue it's kind of nice to have in the upfront a couple of episodes to sample. Agreed. Agreed. I think we found in the past, maybe not so much with X-Files, because X-Files really was the kind of first kind of opening chapter to what was going to be an overarching loose story of sorts throughout that season. But certainly when we did True Detective season two, when we did that first episode, both of us were in completely polar different positions on what we actually felt, and I think we both agreed that after watching the second episode, we actually kind of found the groove of what we thought the show was aiming for. And certainly, I think, um, this being another HBO show, um, you kind of need that. You kind of need those two episodes just to level things out, because the first episode really is about you know, indoctrinating people into the understanding of what Westworld is. You know, if you, you didn't grow up with the movie, and this is loosely based on the movie, um, and, the, you know, the, the adapted works, it, it, it's kind of putting that out there. My wife watched the first episode, and at the end of it, she was like, that's, that's okay, and I was like, yes. But you you were like that when we watched Game of Thrones. The first episode finished, you were like, ah, oh, it's all right, and look how addicted it is, you know, you are to it now. It's the same in this one. I felt the second episode, watching it just before we started recording here, I felt that coming into that one, I was like, right now I've got the, I now have the rhythm of this show. I kind of know what we're doing. I, I have not a clue where we're going, but I know how we're handling things. I know that 
the, 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 like I say, the rhythm of the show, and it, it takes two episodes, I think, especially considering HBO shows tend to be hour-long episodes as well. Um, I kind of feel like I'm in my groove now. Would you say that you now feel the beat of the rhythm of the night? <laughs> yes. Excellent. Uh, the barge thanks you. Um, okay, so first of all, before we jump into the show, which we will in just a second, be, be patient listeners, because uh, I have a lot to say about Ed Harris in, in the show. Oh, my God. Rose, I'm just going to refer to him all the way through this, a history of violence. Oh, yeah. And it's like he is creating a new uh, a, a new present of violence, I would argue. Oh, yeah, we need to we, we we could do a whole show just on him. Yeah, it's absolutely fucking terrifying. <laughs> he he is, but also I feel like I could be him. Oh yeah, I th- I think I think if I was maybe two or three trips into Westworld, I would be him. Yeah, and he's been there many many times, and there's a particular scene in the second episode that we will touch on later on uh, once again we're just teasing them i feel so sorry for the listeners um and which i was like that that is a really clever touch to this character and um you kind of you kind of get a you kind of see why maybe on some level he's doing what he's doing but we will we'll touch we'll touch on that later on right like gent- gently on it like a butterfly before yes fluttering away um so do you did you see the original westworld are you familiar with the source material at all yeah i love the movie absolutely love the movie it's um it's a movie i grew up with and um, recently bought the the i think there's like a kind of collector's edition on blu-ray over here Um still to watch that version Um but yeah i never watched there was a sequel of memory serves and i never watched the sequel future world was the yeah, name I of never, that one yeah was it any good uh, it's okay. It it, it 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 repeats a lot of what Westworld does, only there's more spaceships, and that's less convincing because the budget, I don't think, uh, necessarily allowed for it <laughs> to be as futuristic as it wanted to be. Yeah, it's um, easier to do horses and spaceships. Yeah, I, and the, the weird thing about the, the Westworld series is that it spends a fortune on special effects for a show that is ultimately set in a canyon. Yeah, yeah. But but the effects are all really good. I mean, we'll get maybe maybe we can just get that out of the way right up front. Like this is an HBO produced series. It looks great. The effects are are. I don't know that I saw any seams to anything. No, of, not, uh, not at all. Yeah, I mean, there's kind of the CG like uh, arena view that they have in the mm-hmm. control room. That's kind of the computer generated look at the park, but it's supposed to be. A little fakey. Yeah, it's supposed it's to, it's, yeah, it's supposed to look like that. I I would feel more skeptical if it looked completely realistic, like they were looking at this scale size version of the park, which was super super realized. I I quite like the fact that it looks, you know, kind of computer generated. Um, there there were some CGI flies which actually looked more realistic than flies in movies. Yeah. Um, this is this is the this is a Game of Thrones effect, isn't it? Really, because what Game of Thrones has done for HBO is proved that HBO as a channel can spend essentially movie budget amounts per episode, and you know the, the station's at such a level now with viewership that they more than reap back the money through you know subscriptions, through advertising, through merchandise. Um, 
they make a ton of money off these shows and what I love about HBO is they they kind of funnel that money right back in um, and what you have with Westworld is you have an incredibly beautiful vast world um, being painted out here with, with digital CGI effects which look great with practical effects which also look great um, and a cast as well which is just two episodes into it, I am I am in awe of some of the, the faces that I've seen from not only TV but from movies as well that are that are in this. We're talking about some heavyweight, you know, kind of actors in their in their twilight years. But ones that we've grown up with that we know for a fact we're in a safe pair of hands when you see Ed Harris on the screen. We are certainly in a safe pair of hands. And I, I'll tell you, I breathed a huge sigh of relief. Um, when I realised that Anthony Hopkins was actually turning a performance which wasn't Hannibal Lecter, which he's been doing now pretty much for every role he's been in for about the last 15 to 25 years. Um, so to see him kind of taking a bit of that pantomime out of his performance and actually putting a bit of emotional depth into, into his character. And he's an infinitely fascinating character in this as well. There's just because originally when his name was attached, I was like, "Oh, that's a gimmick," um, and now that I've seen two episodes in with him, I'm like, "That you know, this guy's loving it." You know, this is this is a great role for someone of his stature, of his age, um, transitioning into a TV show. It's a perfect role for him. Yeah, and and to round out the cast, uh, as you mentioned, uh, you have Evan Rachel Wood as uh, Dolores, um, yep. Fandy Newton. As Maeve, who is the uh, the uh, the local uh, whore mistress, mm-hmm. uh, I think is what they're called. Um, that's, what I, that's my nickname for you as well. <laughs> whore mistress? Yeah, that's yeah. what I call you over legion. I'm like, that. He's just a whore mistress. It's, you're not wrong about any of that. <laughs> um, Jeffrey Wright as uh, Dr. Bernard Lowe. Um, I do love a bit of Jeffrey Wright, actually. I, re- I really like him as an actor. Yeah, it, it's not the uh, Jeffrey Wright from Pirates of the Caribbean that's with the G. <laughs> this is no. Jeffrey with the J, who's uh, uh, also uh, quite good in it. I'm, uh, he was in uh, Source Code, uh, uh, Casino Royale. Yeah, yeah. Um, good Dinosaur. He was in the Hunger Games movies as Beatty. Um, so, and then James Morrison, uh, who you would know from 30 Rock, as well as being James Morrison. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the Hemsworth kids shows up. Uh, and, uh, you know, Ed Harris, Anthony Hopkins, we mentioned. I will also point out Jimmy Simpson, who doesn't show up until uh, the second episode. Yep. But uh, I like him a lot. He is, uh, if you've ever watched It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, his role as one of the McPoyle brothers... As genius. It, it really is. It, it is the creepiest comedy you'll ever see. I love uh, his character. Um, more recently, I, I, I loved his character in House of Cards. don't know if you've watched House of Cards yet, but um, he plays like a computer hacker in that that is completely um, manipulated and out, out of his depth dealing with... Uh, with the Kevin Spacey's head of security, um, and it basically kind of highlights the abuse of the government through his character, um, and he plays that kind of nervous, twitchy, um, you know, confident hacker, but at the same time completely 
And not not too dissimilar in some of some of his performance in here. Um, great with dealing with certain aspects, but not dealing with people. Um, very very well. I think he's got, like once again he's a he's an actor that's popped up in movies that I've seen for, like for, for for over a decade now. But particularly his, his roles in TV recently have been really interesting. So I see him and I'm like that. Yep. I'd, once again, it's just like showing me. Actors that I recognise, that I know, right, um, safe pair of hands here. We, we know this guy can act, we know he can do stuff. We know he's got uh, diversity um, in his style of acting, so I don't know what sort of performance is going to come in, because when you're talking about House of Cards or Always Sunny, two completely different shows. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> two completely different ends of the spectrum, fantastic in both. Yeah, he's kind of uh, slowly climbing that Walton Goggins ladder of, yes. like, if I see him, I'm, I'm paying attention to him. You know, because he's he's going to do something real interesting. Um, so, all right, let's uh, let's get into episode one here. Episode one uh, of uh, the new series. Uh, let me. What was the title? Uh, the uh, episode one is in... the original. Uh, yeah, I know. I'm yeah. trying to. I'm, it, the original is the name of the episode. Yeah, that's right. Because it, it refers to it refers to um, Dolor- uh, Dolores. That's because she's the original. I think she's a lot oldest. We'll get to that, but she's the oldest yeah. robot, so she's the original robot. Uh, so, yeah, we're, the the show begins with her being asked questions, and I suppose, based on the fact that you, you're watching a show called Westworld, and there have been adver- <laughs> advertisements, sorry, Duncan, um, advertisements. <laughs> I call them advertisements. So. Oh, uh, fair enough. Uh, so there have been uh, advertisements Garbage for the show. Garbage truck. Uh, <laughs> I finally have you where I want you using the proper God's American, um, the Queen's American. That's what we ought to call the it. Queen's American. <laughs> so, but Dolores is in a chair, all naked, like. Mm-hmm. Uh, God bless Evan, Evan Rachel Wood uh, for our Rachel. Evan, no, it's Evan Rachel Wood. God, yep. my brain is scrambled. Um, Evan Rachel Wood. Uh, you know, it's not like a, a big crotch shot or nothing, but still. Uh, you know, she's a, a, a well-respected actress and, and, and is showing off a little booby. Um, you know, and there's, uh, we'll get to it. There, there's also <laughs> sexual assault. Uh, all you Trump fans, get ready. Um, <laughs> we know how you love it. So <laughs> don't worry, we're going to get there. Uh, so she's being asked some questions by, uh, it turns out Jeffrey Wright. And it's questions like, you know, um, do, do you ever question the nature of your reality? Or, you know, ba- basically what we learn, Duncan, is that she is being questioned because she is being um, sort of repurposed or, or, or uh, uh, cleaned up for her next use. Yes. Uh, she has uh, been um, murdered. <laughs> in Westworld and uh and when they when they basically before they send them back out uh into the simulation which is what Westworld is it's a big wild west simulation filled with um you know AI fueled robots and uh and I will always use that pronunciation for robot <laughs> so uh she they're they're kind of making sure that she doesn't have any lingering uh, memories, they're, you know, wiping the hard drive, making sure the programming's good, and then they send her back out. And so we come to understand very quickly 
that uh, Dolores is a robot. And then we see her wake up in Westworld in her bed. Um, and she's got kind of a smile on her face. And the thing that the first episode does that I really like, but it, it can also be off-putting, I think, to viewers who may not be anticipating it, is you get a lot of repetition in the first episode. Yes. But it's all in the service of showing that things are, are going slightly wrong. Mm-hmm. And in the first, the first time we see her, it's Dolores waking up. She grabs her, uh, her art supplies, goes out onto the porch, you know, kind of gives a, a top of the morning, uh, to her father, um, who tells her to get back after dark because there's a bandit loose in the mountains. And, and then she rolls off. And then we cut to James Marsden. Yes. And this is probably my favorite thing that the pilot episode does. Uh, we didn't say it up front, but obviously we are going to spoil everything about these episodes. So please, if you haven't seen it, go watch the episodes, then come back. Yeah, yeah, d- definitely, because this is a show you need to watch. I don't think we're spoiling anything by saying we would not be dedicating time talking about this if this was not a show that me and Bo really want to discuss. So go and watch them, then come back. And and also, if someone on Facebook hadn't been like, hey, are you guys going to watch that show? And we were like, yeah, I guess <laughs> yeah, we yeah. ought to. Yeah, Joseph, uh, maybe maybe had... Uh, let's put it this way. You didn't have to twist our arms that far for, for myself and Bo to say, yeah, let's do this. Yeah, yeah. Because we'd already talked about doing this for um, the Twin Peaks revival that's coming up. And, mm-hmm. you know, we'll get back to X-Files at some point as well. But, uh, yeah, so this was exciting because Westworld, you know, it's an HBO show. It, it's poised to be at least interesting. And... Well, this is the first time we've tackled a season one as well, and even though True Detective was technically as a standalone season, um, you know, season one had already been out and set a benchmark really fucking high. That that's what prompted us to this. This is the first time we are coming in ground level with a brand new show. Um, so you know, we're, we're, we we have no expectations for Westworld out with the fact that HBO have put out and there's a lot of big names attached to it. Right. So, uh, but back to the James Marsden thing. So we see him on the train. He, he kind of wakes up on the train that leads to Westworld or the, the main town, uh, in, in this simulation. And we see him exit the train. Um, he sees, uh, first he goes to the bar and has a drink and he sees Maeve there as played by Thandie Newton and, um, one of the, the prostitutes, uh, tell, tells him that uh, he doesn't. He must be new to town because he doesn't have any brine on him, which is a yeah. thing that's repeated to other people later in the in the uh, the episode, which is is real awesome. And then he goes to uh, Dolores and uh, catches a can that rolls out of her bag, as it does multiple times in this episode. And we see that these two are in love. And the impression that I had, Duncan, was that he was a guy who had come to Westworld, had gone home, and then came back. And him refusing the advances of the prostitutes and immediately focusing on Dolores, as well as the conversation that they have about him having been gone and now he's back and all that stuff. I'm like, this is a dude who has come back to have sex with uh, the Dolores robot. Because he is wildly uh, fixated on her, uh, probably to an unhealthy degree, but I get it. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I, I, I'm with you on this one. As it stands just now, James Marsden's character Teddy is a human, 
in my eyes when I watched this for the first time rolling through. <laughs> and you know a robot when you see one. Yeah, well, I think that's I think that's the beauty, like like the, the beauty of sitting down watching a show like this is I'm like that. I I know who's right. You're a robot, right? You're a robot. Or robot. robot right? I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine with this. We are now following a new character coming into this show. Obviously, he's a human because that you know these people come into the park. So at, at no point did I think, and it's probably the limited scope of my, my brain. At no point did I think, oh, we're going to have a whole episode pretty much centered around the interactions of two robotic characters in this park as opposed to, you know, following someone entering the park and following their journey through. That's the backdrop in this episode, and I think that's incredibly clever writing for a pilot episode of any show. Yeah, as, especially when we see the the brutal end. Uh, yeah. Good, and, yeah. I, and I feel like maybe let, let's just follow this through line, and then, then we'll get back to uh, Delos. Yes, um, yeah. But... So they see each other, and Dolores says, uh, you know, you, my dad's not going to be happy to see you, but but come around later. And uh, and, and stop me if I leave something out, because I'm going to jump ahead real quick to the scene with them later that night. Oh, no, we need to talk about this scene, definitely. This is, this is like, heartbreaking and terrifying in equal measure. Yeah, and, and like I said, for, uh, for you Donheads, um, as they're called, here in the States, uh, the sexual violence, uh, upcoming. So, uh, he shows up at her house after, after it gets dark and, uh, you know, they're kind of making moony eyes at, at each other and whatnot. And then, uh, in comes Ed Harris. You've jumped a little bit, Bo. You've Did jumped I? a little bit. All right. Yeah. Uh, they, they, while they're making moony eyes at each other, uh, as you call it, I, I don't know what I would call it, but moony eyes sounds good. Um, <laughs> Well, where they're all like, he's so dreamy, she's so dreamy, I love you. Um, there's a commotion happening at the house, and two bandits are at the house. That's right, that's right, you're right. Uh, yeah. And uh, There's they... a fixation of milk in this episode as well. I didn't quite get my head around that. Uh, well, it's, you know, it's the fluid of life, Duncan. <laughs> it's, it's, well... And and let's face it, semen is a, a little milky in appearance. Oh. <laughs> and no, wait, I'm not done. And also the uh, robot bath that they use uh, in, inside the Dallas facility looks a little like milk. Uh, and when Bishop got stabbed in aliens, a milky substance came out of his mouth. I see where you're going with this, Bo. Yeah. I see what you're saying. <laughs> you're with me. <laughs> so, all right, but but. Yeah, but keep going with the uh, the, the break in because uh, I I not forgotten about it, but I, I was skipping over it. Yeah, so essentially at this point, these two people have uh, these two bandits. Um, I believe one of them may actually be the bandit that they've been talking about. Um, have broken into the the broken into Dolores's parents' farmhouse. Um, the main bandit's already killed the mother, which the other one is upset about because he didn't get a turn at her. Um, and I was like, oh, right, well, at least we're not got necrophilia, um, to which this guy then says, I'm fairly sure she's still warm, you can have a go if you want. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, oh, so we've got necrophilia, right? That's tick. Um, <laughs> Is that like, know? okay, this show's at least a two. Yeah, no matter yeah, what no. else happens, we have necrophilia, <laughs> yeah. that's a point. Yeah, I was like, I was like, it's a bold choice for this show. Um, 
So so he he starts making his his kind of way back, but in the meantime, the main band that's standing over the top of Dolores's dad, um, kind of basically giving them a talking down to that his dad is kind of he's not wavering. He's got that kind of the courage that men have in the old west. Um, we call it American band- courage around here, Duncan. <laughs> America, <laughs> um, and it it kind of tries to call the. I don't even know if he tries to call his bluff. He basically says that he's not scared to die. And the bandit takes him up on that offer, puts a bullet in his chest, then starts pouring milk all over him, then starts drinking the milk. And that's when uh, James Morrison's character, Teddy, like a boss, swings up with that pump-action shotgun. Um, or it wasn't a pump-action shot. It was a shotgun, I think. I, uh, I think it was, it was a rifle, actually, I think. I know nothing about guns. I live in Scotland. Um, so um, and he he takes down the main bandit. He then shoots down his compadre, and we think, you know, he saved the well. He's not really saved the day, but he's he saved Dolores at least, and put these two varmints down. Varmints is a good word to use yeah, for this show. Um, and then enter the man in black bow, and I will leave this to you to because this 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 was a this, this to me like as soon as this happened, I was like that this show could. Basically, from this point onwards, it could be like a, a kind of a class and crochet uh, every single episode, and it's already pretty much won me over because uh, because Ed Harris plays the Man in Black, yeah, and he he is terrifying. <laughs> He's definitely a guy with an agenda. Um, although I would argue maybe not necessarily this night. Uh, yeah, not, <laughs> not yeah, not this. This is I'm coming. Basically, what he says is that he has been away for a while, and this is his first night back. So he is he's indulging himself, and his first night back ahead of whatever his character's going to do moving forward. And, yeah. um Turns out his his idea of a party is is kind of like I imagine how they indoctrinate Republican candidates for presidential positions. You, uh, yeah, it's skull and bone stuff. Um, because yeah, he, <laughs> he shows up and, and immediately knows Dolores and Teddy, mm-hmm. which is, you know, again, knowing that you're watching a television show about this simulation, you're like, okay, he's clearly been here before, mm-hmm. but he then, uh, murders, uh, Marsden, yeah. which we understand at that point means that he was a robot. Yeah. Which is awesome. That is a great reveal. It is. It really, it really is. And we also it also develops some some of the park rules, which once again, what I love about this as well is it's not HBO shows in general do not dumb things down, and they definitely did not dumb down this episode. They have really clever writing, and we'll get into the reason why they have really clever writing. It you know later on in the episode when we talk about the, the actual writing team behind this one and the guy that directed it and his lineage in cinema. Um, but basically, we get the kind of the rules of the park through this interaction between the two. Robots can't hurt humans in Westworld at all. Um, but humans can hurt robots. Humans can kill robots. And basically, yeah. they can pull their guns out and shoot as much as they want, but the bullets will not They will not harm a human being. And uh, the, the man in black uh, kind of revels in the fact that he knows this uh, and they don't. And so when J- James Marsden's character is very much, you know, I will save my girl and I will do the right thing and all the rest, 
and after about three shots, this wave of futility kind of washes over his face. And great acting by Marsden, actually. I thought he was, I thought he was fucking brilliant in this episode. But you know, his character just drops to his knees. He's he, there's he is powerless. There's nothing he can do, uh, which leads up to the next bit, Bo. Yeah, he dies in the dirt watching uh, Ed Harris as the Man in Black drag Dolores into the barn. Saying that uh, basically he's gonna he he's gonna have himself a little celebration, yeah, on his return to Westworld. And in fairness, this show could have been a lot more graphic than it is because yep. that's really the end of the scene is him dragging her into the barn. But clearly, the implication. Oh is, yeah, he says he says that. I think his his exact words are along the lines of that. He wants her to struggle. He doesn't want her to be complacent. He wants her to struggle. Right. That's, that's the fun part. Yeah. Yeah, that's the fun part for him. Which, like, like we said earlier on, Trump, Trump comparisons aside, uh, you don't need to show anything more than that. That's the, the point. Is fully conveyed in the audience mind, and we're all pretty skeeved by it. So. Yeah, and uh, I, I, here's what I think this scene accomplishes. Uh, I think that it, in this moment. We get, you know, again, the reveal of Marsden, which is really fun and engaging. You get the rules uh, of of the shooting mm -hmm. uh, or, or who can shoot whom. Um, you get immediate sympathy for Dolores, and which is even trickier because you know she's a robot. Yeah. So you're basically sympathizing with an artificial creature because of the behavior of a human. Because you can make the argument, Duncan, and I have in front of many courts, <laughs> that that a human being, what, what a human being does with a robot is no different than what a human being does with a coffee machine. <laughs> unless, your dick, unless your dick has an asbestos coating, I don't suggest that you go having sex with your coffee machine. Look, we're not here to discuss my picadillos. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to keep us focused, but the point remains that on, on the surface, like in a real world way, the reason that Westworld exists and the reason you can justify all this is that you're just killing an inanimate thing. It's fantasy. Yeah, it's fantasy. You, you, you enact your fantasies in a setting which is as real as possible without being real. Right. And it's... It, it it is video games writ large, where you know, and they talk about this when when we get to the Dello stuff here in a sec. Uh, they talk very explicitly about the fact that people come there and pay forty thousand dollars a day to be in Westworld, mm -hmm. so that they can fight and fuck. That's yep. they can murder whoever they want, they can rape whoever they want, and these are all just simulations of humanity you know it's not a real thing you're not you're not being a bad person you're doing a bad thing in a fantasy world you yeah. know um so, so uh, uh sorry when we get to it uh i have how to sum up westworld in two lines Ooh. all all of westworld so uh so we we see them uh murdered and then we get Dolores waking up again. Yes. And we we see the same things start to happen. 
And we understand that this, all of Westworld is this big clockwork uh, facade, you know, that these robots have instructions to, you know, like Dolores is going to wake up every morning, get her painting supplies. She's going to go uh, talk to her father and she's eventually going to meet up with Teddy unless another human being, one of the guests of Westworld, interferes with that. Yeah. And and I think that's really fascinating. You know, it's it's sort of the Grand Theft Auto thing of yeah. <laughs> uh, of like having all these kind of clockwork NPCs roaming around, only with an like unfathomable degree of depth in terms of your interaction with them. Yeah. Um. All right. So let's let's leave them there for now, mm-hmm. and and turn our attention to the company making Delos. Uh, or making Westworld, which is uh, uh, the Delos company. Mm-hmm. And so th- the Delos Corporation is run, uh, or it's, it's, a, it's certainly a business. The, the main cast of characters on that side of the fence is Anthony Hopkins is kind of the reclusive genius who creates all these behaviors uh, for uh, the, the, the robots of, of Westworld. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got Jeffrey Wright, who seems to be kind of the psychologist as well as programmer. Yeah, he's like he's he's kind of he's um, Anthony Hopkins' character's Doctor Ford. He's kind of like his prodigy on some level. You know, he's he's been brought in. He very much idolizes him, but he his primary role appears to be, like you said at the beginning there, the kind of uh, assessing the quote unquote psychology of these robots after the after the day's events after the trauma and making sure that they run within the parameters within the stories that they're given and without any abnormal behaviors yeah yeah and uh then we have the the writer a character that i both uh am a little pissed off about and also think is hilarious uh this is the lee sizemore character and, yeah, it's, it's Simon Quarterman that plays him, and I've seen him in things before, and I, I could not put my finger on where I've seen him before, but what sprung to, to mind when I saw him was like that, I've seen you play very similar roles to this before, and I can see why you're in this, because you're very good at them. Yeah, he's, he's just a corporate smarm that I, I hate. Yeah, he's kind of like Paul Reiser from Aliens. He really, <laughs> you know, except he, he doesn't really have that dark an agenda, at least not that we know about it, but yeah. he is that kind of corporate stooge that is trying to climb the ladder. Um, he, he's the writer of all the storylines that are happening. And when we get into the second episode, we, we kind of come to understand that, um, there are dozens, if not, you know, a hundred or more storylines that you can get involved in in Westworld, yeah. you know, that can lead you on an adventure. Um, and we see some of that in the first episode, like the hunt for the, uh, uh, the, uh, bandit Bandit. in the, in, in the mountains and stuff, which will lead us back to Dallas. But anyway, um, so there's so much, there's so much in the first episode. Honestly, for an hour episode, there is so much going on, but it doesn't feel cluttered. And I think that's like, I I think that's, that's what makes me really excited about this show is that like the movie itself is a great movie, but when it finishes, I'm not like, you know, I really wish we'd explored more of this or more than that. I am fully prepared to spend seasons upon seasons upon seasons delving and exploring 
Westworld because I think the the, the possibilities are almost endless. Yeah. It, I, yes, you're right. I mean, the the things you can do with this story are, are kind of incredible. But because mm-hmm. at first, I, when I first heard about this show, I I had a hard time figuring out how you make a show run three, four, five seasons. Yeah. Based on this premise, but you know they've they've expanded the universe so much from the from the film. But uh, all right, so we see um, Bernard, uh, who's Jeffrey Wright. He is with Elsie, who is the Shannon Woodward character, um, who might have a thing for the prostitute. Um, <laughs> you, you noticed that as well, though. It was subtle. It's a blink and you'll miss it kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, she really, she really gets up in, uh, the robot prostitutes grill and really plants one on her. Um, <laughs> but they're, they're discussing this new software patch that's come out, um, for all the, or for a segment of the hosts. I think they say it was 10% of the hosts, uh, which are what they call the robots. Um, and probably what I should call them. So I, I can stop saying <laughs> robot. Uh, <laughs> it was, it was a joke at first. Now it's driving me crazy. Yeah. Yeah. You're stuck. You're stuck in a, a loop where you have to use it until you use hosts. I'm stuck in a hell of robots. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so they uh, they're having this discussion about the software patch, which has introduced this thing called reveries. Mm-hmm. And what reveries are is, are little physical ticks and 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 mannerisms that are based on the stored memories of these robots, like yeah. uh, all the deaths and all the rapes and uh, all the good times and all the times that they just ran through their normal routine. It's all still somewhere on their hard drive. It's just not being referenced except for this reverie stuff that draws on all those experience to make each host more unique. And uh, in this case, they're really blown away by the fact that when the prostitute um, places her hand on her cheek, one of her fingers touches her lip. Yeah. And it's it's a thing that's not programmed. It's just a thing that happens spontaneously in these things' behavior. And when you think about robots exhibiting spontaneous behavior, maybe you start to see where the problem comes in. <laughs> Yeah, the writing's on the wall. I think if this is your like, if you've never watched like before this, if you've never heard of anything to do with Westworld, you've never seen the movie, never, no, you knew nothing about it at all. If you don't know kind of roughly what this story's going to be about by this point of the episode, um, then you're going to hate us because uh, yeah, she she starts to, and the thing is that. Um, that that Bernard basically, you know, that he's, he says, you know, it's like it's Doctor Ford does, you know, he's, he's slipped this in this, you know, this extra little bit of software he's he's managed to put in there because they're not programmed to do this, and and basically this is the, this is the next level upgrade. You're you're right, they do like a test of ten percent, so ten percent of them also get, it. and you would imagine they'll go out and start, you know, interacting the way they would do it, then they'll start. You use it as like a test population to see how it goes, and then the rest of the the hosts will get the, the same thing. Turns out though, this particular update might have some issues. Yeah, it, it maybe referencing memories is not great. Well, uh, not the best idea in the scheme of things. 
So as, as they're checking out uh, the the prostitute robot, uh, there is an emergency in uh, the lower levels that uh, in cold storage they call it. So a security team is dispatched, and there we find um, our our old pal Anthony Hopkins. Sir Anthony Hopkins. Sir Anthony Hopkins. Very sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Hiding in a room behind the creepiest room that has ever existed, ever. Yeah, it, I, I, I was expecting, like, see when we like we walk up in the glass panels there, I did expect him to turn around and realise that he was Dr. Leiter again. Uh, and hello, Clarice. Right. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> what's happening here? But yeah, he's in, and he's, he's, he's having a little drink. Having a little drinky-poo with him. Um, because he's the, he's the guy, he is like, he is... He is father, yeah. On some level, he's he's a guy that created the the original Westworld. He created all these robots, and th- this particular level is where robots go to die, and essentially they're decommissioned and all left in there. And um, he is down there, and he is sharing a a sarsaparilla or something um, with what can only be considered maybe like an older version of one of the earlier versions of one of the characters from Westworld did, who did you is catch clearly the actor here? I did not know. All right, and when I tell you you're gonna you're gonna lose your mind. You tell me then. Okay. I look forward to losing my mind. <laughs> the guy playing old Bill was the villain from The Crow. No it wasn't. Yes it was. You you literally blow my mind. I, 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 I told you I would. Um, yeah, and, and his performance is kind of incredible because it's filled with all these little stuttery motions mm-hmm. um, that, that are, like you said, are kind of that um, uh, Disney-esque animatronic kind of thing. It's it's really good. Anyway, I'm kinda I hoping that, I'm kind of hoping that he's not only just in this for that's his only scene and we never get him again because... Who's the what's the name of that? Michael Win Win I don't I don't, I don't know. I'm looking it up now. You keep going. I'm gonna fact check. It's Michael it something. He's a great actor. He's brilliant. I think he was in one of the Highlanders as well, I think, potentially, and that wasn't a good role. But he's a he's a great actor. And yeah, so basically the the kind of once again I like this interaction because it kinda of shows that you know, Ford's getting on a little bit. He's got that thing that all old people have, that kind of nostalgia for the good old days. Um, and it also highlights how far the tech has travelled since the park side. Because like you say, um, old Bill moves like he's very obviously a robot. We, you know, when we saw um, James Marsden's character earlier on, we were convinced he was a human because he looked and walked and acted like a human. You could not say the same about old Bill. Old Bill has very much got twitches, you know, um, moves, his whole body moves like a robot. And what I found immensely creepy about this scene as well is that when Ford's finished his conversation, he basically tells old Bill to pack himself away, which he does by climbing into a body bag and zipping it up from the inside, which is so morbid. Yeah, (laughs) it's kind of... yeah, it, it's a weird combination of like, oh, wow, that robot, uh, robot, I mean, can zip himself up into a body bag and also, 
oh my god, he's zipping himself up into a body bag. Yeah, <laughs> and he's just going to wait there until the next time that Ford decides that he wants another drink um, or wants a bit of company, and that's kind of creepy. It's like it's like these these older versions are basically they're like disused toys. Um, yeah. That I, like a child will come across years later and maybe play with for a couple of minutes and then put away again because you realize why they don't they're not interested by them anymore it's purely ford is um is almost more comfortable interacting with these older robots than he is actually interacting with anyone else yeah and it it's made like old bill is the least creepy thing in this scene yeah. <laughs> because of all the naked robots standing outside this room <laughs> Yeah, it's like it's like it's like it's like it's like looking at the terracotta warriors if they were all synthetic human beings standing naked. Yeah, Um, yeah, it's 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 incredibly creepy, and they're all motionless. And of course, when uh, when the the security guards go down there, tooled up to the nines with the guns, um, and you've got Bernard saying, "Well, they can't harm humans. We don't need guns. This is you know just to inflate your." kind of your ego is here you don't need the guns at all and you get um the the kind of head of security saying to him do you have kids you know do you have a family you don't so you don't understand why we're you know armed here because we don't want anything to happen to us you know you you live in this kind of protective bubble but when they're walking through all these robots standing motionless and we don't know that ford's down there your instant reaction is one of these naked creepy looking humans is going to make a move you know it's going to yeah. jump or do something and it doesn't do that and you know it, it, it kind of pays off into this kind of weirdly sweet scene between ford and old bill um, if you could call it that maybe i don't know um and we find out from from the, the this conversation between um bernard and and dr ford that there's an issue with the code and it's Ford that's made the mistake, and we, we at this stage, <clears throat> and even by the second episode, I don't know if this is a mistake or if this is intentional. Um, I I think they've not really done anything to, like Ford kind of brushes it off. You know, we're only human, yeah, so human. Um, but there's, it doesn't come across as the sort of guy that makes mistakes, if you know what I mean. So I don't know if this is him just experimenting or you know is this his next level of evolution for these people is he doing so you know i we don't know we're so early in the story but i found it i don't know how you felt i found it difficult to believe that this was just a routine mistake yeah i mean is he a mad scientist or just a scientist um yeah yeah i don't know i don't know i I, and it actually hadn't occurred to me that he was being duplicitous with that Mm. um but I, yeah, you're you're probably right. That would make it, I don't know. I mean, we'll we'll get into some speculation on on the tail end of this episode. But oh, yes. I I think I think you're probably right uh, to some degree, because in the second episode we see that he probably has more of these you know kind of robots that he uses for personal use, not you know not Trumpian use, but like. <laughs> <laughs> but but like you know chatting with uh yeah and and just to let you know it is confirmed michael wincott is the name of the actor he, oh, he is old bill uh, yeah michael wincott yeah. good actor very good actor and and kind of criminally underused in this role 
Yeah. Uh, but hopefully he'll show back up because I would okay, like to see more of him. Yeah. yeah. Just try. Like to see him back. Um, so the other thing kind of happening at Delos in the first episode is that um, Sizemore, the writer, uh, addresses a lady we haven't really talked about yet, um, who is Teresa Cullen. Yep. Uh, as played by, and talk about your thick Scottish tongue, Duncan. Wait till this embarrassing pronunciation. <laughs> I would say Sitse Babbitt Knudsen. A. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, that's the best I got. And, I mean, God knows Duncan ain't going to do any better than that. So, <laughs> yeah, if, if anyone's listened to me do any shows, they'll know that I'm not even going to attempt to, like, to even begin. So apparently, she's from Denmark, she, she, so she's Danish. Oh, as hell. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> you can tell she's got a real morbidity to her. Uh, <laughs> But that's what I associate I apologize with for uh, I apologize to our Danish listeners but, if we have any. Uh, you know, um, uh, what's the play? The big famous one, Hamlet. He was a Dane. He was all he was all depressed and everything. <laughs> he was a Dane. He was. <laughs> oh, you all of a sudden became Christopher Walken. He was a Dane. Uh, <laughs> Hamlet. He was yeah. a Dane. <laughs> Hamlet to be or not to be. Uh. <laughs> So, uh, Walken so, should Christopher Walken should be in this show. Oh, uh, if only, like we. Christopher Walken robot would be the greatest thing about a Christopher Walken barman. Hello. What? <laughs> All right, let me ask you this: what What's right. the bigger seller? The Ooh. Christopher Walken do anything but. And let's face it, you can fuck that thing if you want. I'm not saying you will. You will. I'm not saying anyone will, but <laughs> he can be your barman. He can be your doorman. He can mm. carry you uh, on his back to work, whatever you want. Christopher Walken all the time. Or uh, let's say, I don't know. Um, give, give me a, a beautiful woman like Scarlett Johansson bot. you like, which one of those is the bigger seller? Because I think surprisingly the Walken bot Gives it a run for its money. <laughs> uh, I, th- I, th- I think, yeah, I think you get more fun at the walking bot. I think, I think, you, I think you could tire of Johansson. Uh, I don't think you could tire of the the dreamy eyes and the the ice is gonna break. Uh, yeah, that would be my alarm clock. He would stand by my bed, and that's what he would yell at you know six thirty a.m. every morning. <laughs> The walking bot, oh my god. So, the walking bot's got a glitch, that's why he talks the way he does. Because he's trying to think of the next word. Hello! Yeah. Um, you know, the walking bot, you would know it was it was broken if it talked normally. <laughs> like, if you come home and your walking bot is like, I, you know, I've prepared dinner for you, sir. You're like, yeah. oh Christ, i got to take it back to the shop. Yeah. <laughs> talking like every a- other asshole I know. Yeah, Bernard's going to have to do a psyche vow on him. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> Teresa is, um, she's more the the board, more the, the, the company. She's a company woman. And um, you, were, you were about to uh, go into her interaction with, with her good friend Lee Sizemore. Uh, which is actually pretty fantastic. I fucking love this. It, yeah, because uh, 
she shoots him down pretty hard, pretty quick, and in a brutal way. <laughs> well, in, in in fairness, he comes to this particular gunfight, uh, pun intended, yeah. uh, with no bullets. Yeah, he he he, he has he's reaching for things. He, he basically he's beside her, and he's like, you know, what, you, you can clue me in on the game. You can get me involved here because I know, I know that there's more going on here. And I know that the you know we're doing the, these robots and all the rest, and we're you know doing the tourist thing and that. But I know the company wants. Want something more? Want some developed for something? But I know there's something more happening here. And you, I, I can support you. You can trust me, and all the rest. And he really kind of he puts his cards down, and it, he, he feels good because he's, he's you know he's, he's got he's got a pair of kings, Bo. Yeah. And he puts them down. And I don't play cards, but he's got a pair of kings. He's like, ha ha, you know, clue me in here. And she 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 has a pair of aces. Um, or let's and, say a full house because she a full house. she yeah. shuts him down like you said she shuts him down hard going so far as to actually correct his grammar oh, which yeah. if you're a writer is a real jab in the tush <laughs> uh, jab in the tush my autobiography uh, <laughs> so, oh you need to keep that one you need to make that happen that's the greatest <laughs> But yeah, it also she... sounds like it also sounds like like a weird kind of like like Irish national holiday or a Middle Eastern dessert. A jabinatush. <laughs> the jabinatush was amazing. It was yeah. a bit creamy for my liking. I prefer it the original Egyptian way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is the best show we've ever done. Um, so. Um, <laughs> Jab in the tush. Yeah, she basically says to him, right, you, you, right, you, you know that there's something going on. That that's great, but right. you know, to what, what end? Yeah, yeah, yeah. To, to what end is what's going on? Can you answer that? And he does what he probably should. He should have blagged that or bluffed or something. But he kind of freezes like a deer in headlights. Um, and you know, she's like, yeah, you, you, you may, you may know that something's going on, but you don't know exactly what's going on so why the fuck would i want you helping me with anything what can you help me with yeah Fucking nothing so right you you bring zero value to this relationship so yeah there won't be one yeah you like zero value to this relationship um so fuck off <laughs> it's like and he does he, he off off he fucks um Lickety split. Uh, yeah, she she shoots him down. So now we know that from their interaction that there is some sort of other plot going to happen somewhere down the line. That this company, uh, if you're me, you're thinking using these robots for military purposes, most likely because that's where it always goes. Um, but yeah, there's something there's something happening at her level which might explain her actions. Um, in this TV show, because she is very brutal and she's very harsh, and she seems very single-minded, purposeful. The, the sort of thing you would expect from someone in her position. You know, she got there because that's the way she is. Yes. So we we have that interaction, and I think that's once again great interaction. You know, so we're getting we're getting lots of little bits of hints of where certain relationships and certain parts of the stories will go. And, you know, it may take a couple of episodes for them to bring that back. But I now have that sitting at the back of my consciousness when I watch this, that, you know, there is something going on here and I'm kind of, I want to know what it is. Yes. And 
we follow that with uh, another return to Ford and uh, Bernard, or Bernard, as you say. I actually like Bernard better than Bernard. Yes. Uh, so <laughs> Ford and Bernard, uh, who are not yeah. robots as far as we know, but I ben wanted Hill. all of those words together in the same sentence. Um, they are, th this is the scene where they actually talk about evolution. And this is why maybe I don't, I don't think maybe it's malicious or even intentional, mm -hmm. but I think that Ford is allowing for accents because basically the conversation they have is this very nihilistic conversation where Ford says human beings are as evolved as we're ever going to get. Like this yeah. is pretty much it. Yeah. Cause you would find out that the pretty much cured all disease that can bring people back from the dead as one of his, his claims is like you we can do you can basically bring back people from the dead so there is nothing you know we have we have gone as far as we can do because we've eliminated all the challenges that allow us to evolve you know right. like d disease helps us evolve because someone has to cure that disease so the knowledge of doing that enhances the species, enhances the knowledge, the intellect that's passed down, it's then worked upon by other people. When all that's gone, where do you go? There's nowhere for them to go. Um, and it's a very depressing, like you say, nihilistic thought. On some level, it should be a great thought because disease is gone and people can live for many, many, many years and we can bring back our, our dead loved ones and all, you know, all these great things. But when, when you hear him say it, you're like, yeah, this seems like a depressing, a depressing, you know, outlook for humanity. Humanity is now, we will never get, like he says, we will never be any better than we are now. We'll, yeah. We'll always be stuck in this. Um, and like you kind of said earlier on, so is he scientist or mad scientist if he is starting to tinker with the, the code to maybe prompt evolution within the robots if that's what's happening yeah I, it just occurred to me that this show is almost the anti-star trek <laughs> because it like it, it's it's the two yeah. uh two yellow roads diverged in a wood you yeah. know like we we have solved the problems of disease and famine and and housing and all the the critical you know bare knuckle essentials to survive and star trek went to the stars and became you know, this highly evolved race, yeah. this uh, race of people that we're dealing with on Westworld just wants to fight and fuck. And yeah, I mean, they're, it's they're us just without all the problems. Yeah. If, if anything, the, we're, we're devolved to our, our, our baser, our baser instincts of, you know, survival and, and procreation. And that's, that's kind of, as kind of, well, I know you're going to give me your two sentence thing at the end to sum up Westworld, but that's pretty much. We don't see even the innocent. What I love about this is like everyone that seems to go into Westworld ends up either sleeping with a robot or killing a robot. Like every character, and the, the great example of that, and we, you know, it kind of loops in towards the end of the episode, is that we we have seen already. Um, the James Marsden character be offered the opportunity to go with the, the, the sheriff and his crowd to go up there and bring back the bandit um, and then we follow this completely <laughs> hapless couple 
um, or tourists who are like, yeah, that seems like fun. We could do this. And the wife's really not interested. But the guy's like, come on, honey, you know, we'll go. This is great. It's the Wild West. We'll go and hunt this, this guy. And they get up the hill and they are in the middle of tracking it. And the sheriff malfunctions. And one of the most disturbing, uncomfortable things I've seen in a while because it is like he has a stroke. His face starts to drop at one side. He kind of starts having this nervous twitch. He stops speaking um, and he, he stops moving. But it, it's like the robot's broken. Um, I don't, but when we see those two characters leave the top of that hill, they're, they're very, oh, let's get out here. Let's get back to the... So they're very kind of still sh- not shy but kind of timid not aggressive and all the rest and when you see what that guy does at the end of the episode you're like yeah even even these people are on some level corrupted by westworld at the end to either kill or fuck um which i thought was really i thought that was really quite cool that they, they would they would even take those two characters and say well you know everyone ends up doing one or one or the other at Westworld, given given time, given time and, and proximity to to this place, you will end up doing one or the other. Yeah, no, I mean, well done. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, well, and we have a bunch of these robots all going kind of squirrely at once. Yeah, um, you know, we we have uh, uh, the, the stuff with the sheriff happening. Um, there's the um, the bandits we see again. Yeah, yeah, the one the. The, the one that was uh, upset that he was going to have to engage in a bit of corpse fucking um, earlier on, he appears like he appears already shot and should be dead in the wrong place. And he is he has uh, evolved the violence. Um, he gets a bit dark <laughs> to put things blunt. Um, and here he sees like he's once again this fixation on milk milk over his potential future like victim and he is stopped by the company the company stops and puts him down brings these people back and they find that obviously there's an issue to do with the the update and they would have to recall um a lot of robots uh like all 10 percent back uh, to do this but apparently the stories are written in such a way that they can only really take small amounts of hosts offline because when you start taking too many away the stories won't run correctly because the options the variables will change because these characters aren't in there so um lee has this great idea that they're going to run this particular storyline that they do before which will uh, it's the, the band that comes to town um and they they kill a lot of the hosts and rob the the local store and um, it's just the, the whorehouse, sorry, they're going to rob and then they're going to go on the run. And I love this bit because this is like right from a Western movie. The, you know, the, the crew of bandits roll into town. They start gunning down everyone. And all these people that are gunning down are, you know, hosts that will need to be, uh, their code will need to be changed. So this is the guys that they're running by so the guests don't know. Um and, and Lee is like very much full of, you know, I've updated uh, the, the 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 main the main uh, bandits line. Wait to hear it. it's like poetry. I've you know I've rewritten it. It's going to be great. He's got, he's got this monologue at the end just before he rides off. Um, it's brilliant and all the rest. He sells this this you know that this is going to be great. And um, we're introduced to like a oh, a character that I found really really interesting, which was the 
super hot female bandit who was like the greatest shot ever. Yeah, like, that was awesome. Three rifles and a blanket in front of her, and she was just taking out fucking everyone. She's like, I was just rapid fire, shooting in all directions. Um, and what I loved about this is, you know, they steal the the the, the he goes in there, he, he interacts with Maeve, you know, ties up the safe to the horse, gets the horse running, goes outside to do his massive monologue. He's in the middle of talking, and bang, gets shot down by the goofy husband who was up on the hill with the sheriff earlier. And he's like, hey, honey, look what I've done. And then he gets his photo taken with... Uh, but but in the meantime, James James Marsden protects um, Dolores. Yep. He gets shot. And this is where we realise that the Dolores glitches evolved slightly again because she cannot... She's, like, stuck in this kind of grief loop almost that she can't, she can't break out of the feelings that she has for, for Terry. She's like stuck in this thing so much so that when the, and we get to see another cool aspect, which is basically when, when the company come in to clear the robots, they basically just come in. Like Westworld may seem like this huge place, but there's all these different access points um, and which must lead them back to the, to, to the actual facility themselves. And um, they, they deactivate her. And then we realize that this, the speech that they are giving to Dolores this time in the psychoanalyst bit um, is actually the bit we heard at the beginning. So it's like a, it's like they they either ask the same questions absolutely every single time, or this is the loop that we've heard that opening thing of what we heard was actually at this point in the story. So I'm, I'm not I'm not actually made up my mind what I believe. Um, yeah, happens, and yeah. in a way, almost it it kind of doesn't matter. I I would say because, you know, it is just the routine of like, hey, is this thing ready to go back out in the world? I would agree with something that you said earlier as well, which was that the the first episode relies quite a lot on repetition of the same sequences, but to see things in a different light each time we go through, things have changed slightly. And that opening monologue of those questions being asked to Dolores have a completely different meaning at this stage of the story now. Because we've been through what Dolores has been through in terms of having our our her love killed twice in front of her, and she's been raped already, um, and potentially killed. We would imagine she was probably killed. Um, so yes, yeah, so we've already been through that. So when we then jump to this line of question, and this time it takes on a kind of different edge um, and tone in the in the story, which which I really liked. And at this point, we find out through uh, a conversation um, between um, the Shannon Woodward character and uh, the uh, and Bernard, who are sitting there talking about Dolores. And we find out that Dolores is actually, she's the original. She's the oldest robot in there. Um, all the others have been kind of decommissioned, but she's the one that is the kind of oldest host. Um, and then... I kind of thought, I was like, all right, so we've found that that's, this is where the episode finishes. This is where we get a slight tail bit at the end. And this is brilliant because it's, once again, very, very, very subtle. Um, in fact, I've jumped a whole bit. I've jumped a whole bit with her dad. Yeah, yeah, I was about to say, we've, we've skipped over really the inciting incident of the show. Yes, yeah, so let's 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 go back. Let's pump the brake. I'm so I'm so desperate to talk about the, the last scene in this, even though it's like so. It's cool, it's baby. So, 
Uh, yeah, yeah, right. So, so her dad, um, she she wakes up, follows the same loop cycle as she did before. She wakes up, she comes down to speak to her dad, and her dad is, to say, depressed. Um, is probably an understatement. He's stuck in this. This is like the name of this actor. This actor was fucking brilliant as well. He just it was like no hope at all. It was just like this pit, this void um, of emotions where he was he was essentially having a breakdown. Um, and so he's brought back in, and they they sit down with him to analyze him. Um, and it's the, what they come to the realization. This is where you were talking about this, the kind of repressed memories. He was basically remembering a previous role that he had had within the park, and this was a, a memory that he was calling back on, um, which was causing him to be this. And once again, great acting because this one actor, who I think I have seen in things before goes through about three or four visible changes in the space of about three or four minutes um, in this programme. Like, completely different changes from that kind of um, broken, you know, very weary, very run-down character to menacing. There's a stare that he pulls at one point um, towards Hopkins' character, and it is, it is like... You know, if Luke's could kill, <laughs> Hopkins would be dead. Um, but it's okay, no one dies. They could just be brought back. Um, yeah. But yeah, so so we, we uh, this is like the yeah, this is the the, the he's he's essentially decommissioned at this point. They're not going to put him back out um, because he's damaged, damaged goods. It's beyond just damaged. He's damaged, damaged. Um, and they replace him with the most generic. <laughs> like the, the the guy to get the, to replace the father is basically a guy with a a western moustache. <laughs> He's like sitting on the chair with the same lines. Um, and I hopefully I've I, that's is that's have I missed anything vital here? Well, all right. I, I I just want to reemphasize that all of the freak out with Dolores's dad, you know, started with the picture, and it really led him to this existential point of. Where is this person? Like, that's the thing that freaked him yeah. about about the picture. And the other thing I really like about that is when he shows it to Dolores, because she has that programming where you kind of ignore, like, someone breaking the facade. Yes. So she keeps saying over and over again, well, that doesn't look like anything to me. Yeah. And it, it's kind of chilling. Yeah. This uh, is brilliant. Yeah, it's real good. So... Um, yeah, so we have the thing happen with her dad. He gets led down there along with the bandit who went all milk crazy, mm -hmm. uh, in town. And the line, um, that her father, Dolores's father whispers to her before he's taken away and decommissioned is the thing that kind of ends the episode. Do we want to get there? Um, Yes, yeah, you, you go with this and then I'll talk about the final the final shot because what he says has an impact on that character and that's what the final shot is. Yes. So it's, it, and this this is a phrase that I, I imagine is some sort of trigger um, because it was mentioned in the second episode, but we'll get to that. The shot yeah, then. so uh, they're, they're still interviewing Dolores as the father's being decommissioned and um, they ask her, like, what, what did your father say to you? Or what, you know, what did this robot say to you? 
and she says he he said these violent delights have violent ends mm-hmm. uh which is uh, portentous for the show maybe um <laughs> right and and they kind of confirm with her like you're okay like you don't remember anything you don't you're not out acting weird if uh you know we tell you something about our real reality uh for lack of a better term and um so they take her back and then uh you know we're back in westworld and it's the repetition of Teddy yeah. on the train again. Yeah, so Teddy's on the train. She wakes up. She comes downstairs. Her father is now a different father, but she has the same conversation with him. Um, and it is already stressed in this episode that the host can kill nothing. They can't even hurt a fly. A fly lands on her neck and she swats it. Um, so we now know something is something has changed. Something has definitely changed. Um, Dolores has just taken a life. Even though it's a fly... She's done something which they cannot do. Hosts cannot harm anything that's living, insect, plant, human. They can't harm, they're not programmed to do that. And she does it at the end of the episode. And that's where we cut to, um, cut to credits. Um, I'll just go up, I'll I'll just kick off right now and say, like, one thing I wanted to say was that it's directed, this episode was directed and co-written um by by Jonathan Nolan, uh, brother of Christopher Nolan. Um I gather if you're listening to this you know who Christopher Nolan is. Uh, and Jonathan Nolan has basically worked as a writer on all Christopher Nolan's projects. He's you know he's been heavily involved with it. He's done a bit of TV as well. But this is his first proper kind of foray, so to speak, um with I think he did some TV a couple of years ago, but this is his first proper foray into into directing um, is on this, and his visual style is you know is very akin to his brothers, his brother, and the story feels very much like a Nolan esque sort of story. Um, but yeah, this episode finished, and I was enthralled. I, I very I can't I think. I think I felt I felt the same way coming off the end of this episode like I did at the end of the very first episode of the very first season of True Detective. Just like, oh, yeah, this is different. This I've not seen anything like this before. This is different. This is a journey that I'm wholly prepared to do, and I can't wait to see where this goes. And there's a lot of TV shows that that come along, and I watched the first episode, and I, I, I recently watched Preacher. And I thought Preacher was a great TV show. By the time I got to the end, I was like, yeah, this show is great. But the first episode finished, and then I went a couple of weeks before I went back to watch episode two, and then there was another couple of weeks, and then I caught away episode three and four. Um, that I wasn't saying, right, this is this is a show that needs to be watched when it comes out um, every single week. Um, Westworld has, has certainly got me grabbed. By the end of the first episode, I... I, I wanted to see, I wanted to know more about the world. I wanted to know more about the characters. I, I just wanted to be involved with the show more, um, and I was hugely excited about it. What, what did you think when it finished? I'm quite I'm quite curious. Were, were you as excited as I was, or were you a bit more reserved? That American reservedness that you guys have. Yeah, our our sense of decorum and yes, um, definitely no Dignity. one would. 
when a microphone is on, being always aware of that. Um, yeah, it's <laughs> well. In 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 fairness, I watched C or episode two almost immediately after because it was it it premiered early uh, on on the streaming service. So I didn't have a lot of time to wait and reflect on it because I was immediately jumping into episode two because I really wanted to see what kind of <laughs> tricks they were going to try to pull off. Yeah. And and if it was going to be a show that felt like it had um, consistency, you know? Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, I, I was really into it. And... There were things about it that I dearly love. The fly thing is rock solid. The scene with the uh, the female gunslinger rolling that uh, the pile of rifles out is one oh, of those brilliant. things that I wish I had seen in a bunch of westerns before. Yeah, it makes uh, you wonder why you, why have I not seen this before? Yeah, it's kind of crazy that the, the one of the best things about Westworld is what a good western it is. Yeah, yeah. And, and or has some really great like Western movie moments, like the shootout. You know, like you were saying, the, one of those things, a classic bandits rolling into town and a big shootout. Uh, but it, it was done really well and really effectively. And you also have this layer on top that, oh, it's a simulation. There's all this other stuff going on. Um, I like that stuff a lot. Uh, another thing I really dug was the moment I realized that the piano was playing Black Hole Sun. Oh yeah, the, the piano and this is played like, all the way through it so far. I put, played that and then I played um, Paint It Black. Yep. yep. Later on in the episode, and I was like, "Yeah, this is kind of you. You've really got, you, you son of a bitches. You've really you have me hook, line, and sinker." Um, here, the one thing we didn't mention actually, and I kind of feel a bit remiss because we are going to touch upon it quite a bit in the second episode, is that the Man in Black did come back in the first episode, um, and he essentially kidnapped um, the, the, the the kind of gambling man, the guy that was running the table in the bar, yeah. um, abducted him, um, brutally tortured him on, on top of a mountain before scalping him, um, which I kind of feel like we're obviously, I, I'm so wanting to talk about everything else that goes to show how much happened in an hour that I skipped over that. He scalps him, uh, and we find out that whatever this actually means, we find out that his his agenda in in Westworld this time is to find out what the next level to the game is. Find, you know, like he he thinks that there's you know he's been there so many times that he, he believes that there is something else. There is something. There is a a, a level that. And it's kind of touched on in the second episode because uh, Anthony Hopkins' character says that I can't go into that because we're going to talk about it. But this idea of if you go to Westworld with only a superficial eye, then you will only get a superficial experience. But the more tuned in you are, the more trips you take, the more you get to know about characters and things, the, the possibilities are endless. Um, and the man in black seems to reckon that there's there's something else uh, here, something like a new challenge, so to speak. And when he scalps this guy, he finds that, that underneath his scalp there appears to be a tattoo print of what looks like a maze. Um, and yeah, his character, like, like Ed Harris, genius casting. 
absolutely genius casting. There's no way someone did not think a history of violence because that's essentially what this character is, um, and he is he is phenomenal in it. Just a great presence. He hardly says a word, um, but he's like absolutely terrifying and hugely interesting a character. I cannot wait to see where that storyline goes. Um, just, just all round. I just thought it was like, I, that's how you do. That's how you debut debut a TV show. Yep. I just, yep, thought, yep, yep. I just, yeah. That's that's how you that's how you do it. And I, I know that they're already saying that Westworld is basically they're wanting to do quite a lot of it. HBO are putting a quite a bit of investment and time here to set this up as a show that's going to carry on the kind of big budget, huge flair of HBO when Game of Thrones wraps up in about a year and a half. Um, and this is their next thing. This is the big cash cow they're riding in on. And already, I think they're, you know, they've, they've put down enough in this first episode where I'm like, that. yeah, you can do it. Like, y- yes, you can do it. I believe that. I'm a huge Game of Thrones fan. It's one of my favourite TV shows ever made. And I will be, you know, crushed and gutted when it leaves. But if they keep if they keep building on the just just some of the things they've done in this first episode... I think this is possible. Will it be as good as Game of Thrones? Time will tell, but they're certainly going to go for it. And I, I think you need to have a huge set of testicles to, to want to try and do that right off the bat with a show like this. Like you say, the movie is so contained that you, I had I had the same feeling as you had that kind of the same way I felt when I heard that Hannibal was getting created in a TV show. It's like, well, uh, <laughs> you know, how far can you actually stretch that as a story? Can we get multiple? You already you're going to do a season two. Do we really want that? Um, and then when that show wrapped up after the end of season three, I was like, I I would give my left testicle for more Hannibal right now. Um, and I think Westworld is it's kind of that same idea where they've they've taken the the skeletal structure so to speak, but the all the all the the meat and tissue on top of it is going in completely different directions. Um, in a way that I find really interesting, and I can't, I cannot wait. Um, I, re- I really, really can't wait. I think this is, I think we're in for a special run here, Bo. I, I think we might be. I'm gonna, I'm gonna drop a, a, a quick truth bomb on you. Uh, Lewis Hertham is the name of the actor who played uh, Dolores's father. Oh yes. You might recognize him from True, uh, True Detective season one. Who was he in True Detective? Uh, he was, let me give you the right, uh, Terry Goodry uh, in was the he, episode Haunted dad. Houses. I I think maybe so. Yeah, he was the dad who, whose daughter vanished. That's right. He plays a, a similar role, actually. And once again, great casting. And he <laughs> was in both Last Exorcism films. That's who he's the dad. Yeah, he's yeah. the dad, and I've just watched that fucking movie. I just watched that movie like a month ago. Yep, for Baz V Horror, by the way. Uh, that's exactly yeah. that's exactly what. In fact, that show just dropped this week. It dropped, and that's who it is. We talked about the dad and how great an actor he was, and that's so he, he kind of yeah he plays manic dads really well. <laughs> Good casting. Yeah. So. uh yeah, I, I thought the, the first episode was fantastic. It had me excited to see the second episode, which I did very quickly. Um, Duncan, any last thoughts from you on episode one before we shift to season two? 
Uh, let, let's, or let's, episode two, rather. Yeah, season two? What? Uh, I've seen them all, Duncan. It's amazing. <laughs> let me tell you in detail what happens. The mole people. The mole people in episode five. When you uh, get to the fact that they're all on a spaceship, Duncan, the whole thing, the whole goddamn thing's on a spaceship. That's end of season one. You'll get there. When Neo enters into it, and then we realize that it's all just a matrix. Um, no, I, I, I'm, I'm. Yeah, it, yeah. That scene, uh, jump the cryogenic chamber. That's a reference you won't get till you've seen season two, episode four. But you'll get there. <laughs> You're such a dick. <laughs> um, yeah, let's. I, I think I think I profess my love enough. I think we need to now move on to episode two, which uh, takes a slightly, it's a different pace, a different tone, um, but carries on pretty much. Um, carries on everything that you want to be carried on right away, right from the off, because this one starts... I actually thought what they were going to do is a Groundhog Day-esque thing, because this one starts with a very similar setup right from the off, which is, you know, Dolores opening her eyes, and I was like, oh my... Is this the... Is this how every episode's going to start? Yeah. I, I don't know. Ordinarily... We are going to uh, end the episode with speculation, Duncan, a little speculation round. Yes. Uh, we're not going to do it for this because we we have episode two right here in front of us. Why speculate? We're, we're going to talk about all of it. Uh, we, we, we could speculate and all our speculations would be spot on, but it would be scary. <laughs> right. We ought, uh, That's what we ought to have done is just record our speculations. And then nailed it, and then our listenership <laughs> would be incredible. Everyone would think we had, you know, inside knowledge or something. Hello? Hello, who is this? Who are you trying to reach? I don't know. Um, I think you've got the wrong number. Do I? I'm going to hang up. Wait, don't hang up. What's that noise? Popcorn? Uh-huh. I only eat popcorn when I listen to podcasts. I'm about to listen to a podcast. Oh, really? Which one? Probably the podcast on Haunted Hill. Is that the one with the two guys with the beards? Uh, yeah, Dan and Gav. Dan and Gav, yeah. That podcast was scary, I liked it. Most episodes, they look at two different horror movies. Each episode, they look at a world of the strange, where they look at weird things from around the world. Sometimes, they even do special episodes where they look at different genres or directors' discographies and talk about them. Do you have a boyfriend? Maybe. So where can I find the podcast on Haunted Hill? Well, you can go to legionpodcast.com, Facebook, Twitter, or just go into iTunes and search for the podcast on Haunted Hill. So, are you going to ask me out? And we're back. <laughs> you son of a bitch. That was actually <laughs> really good. That's that was a good double Duncan. Yeah. Although uh, the people only had the single Duncan. <laughs> Listeners only got the, the Uno Duncan. Uh yeah. <laughs> not the not the double Duncan. Uh so here we are, uh talking season uh season. Episode two. I keep wanting to call it season two because uh I have eerie powers of prognostication. Yeah, Bo knows where it's going. Mole people, moles. Uh, I'm telling you. Now, you know what? After I said the whole thing is in a spaceship, I'm not totally convinced I'm not right about that. Uh, oh, my God. See if that comes out and that was you just joking. And you've ruined it for me. Then I win the internet at that point. You, 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 yeah, the internet is then yours. 
the whole internet. Oh, I kind of don't want it. I've seen some yeah, of those can, comment yeah, boards. Yeah, include, yeah include, including that red. <laughs> that you can have that. Ugh. It's your domain. The domain of you become the king of Reddit. Uh, I, you know what? Reddit, RedTube, it's all the same thing. <laughs> Just people jerking off. Um, enough political commentary. Episode two. Uh, this one called Chestnut. Yes. So, uh, we start episode two the same way we we began, kind of. Uh, which is with Dolores. Yes. And she hears a voice say, "Do you remember?" And then goes about her uh, her time. She she goes out into uh, outside the house and digs up a gun. So, uh, yeah. So she's armed, and certainly isn't opposed to killing flies. No. Uh, so, anyway, question mark there. Yep. Then we go to um, Logan, uh, who's played by Ben Barnes, and uh, William, who is Jimmy Simpson, who we mentioned uh, way back at the beginning of uh, episode one there. And they are showing up to Westworld, and this is kind of what I thought episode one was going to be. Yeah, this is this is exactly... this is, and At least this time we get the, we get the slight run up to them getting on the train, so... So we definitely know. We definitely know at this point because we've been burned once before. But we definitely know that these are two humans, um, and essentially William has never been to Westworld before. But um, his body has been by the sounds of things several times, um, and William is not apprehensive, but he 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 doesn't really know what he's getting into at all he's he's looking forward to it but his buddy is very much of the you know he, he has that kind of look in his eye of someone that's that's killed a couple of robots before and done some robot hookers and for sure glint- yeah yeah he's real alpha male you know very very tough guy business guy uh, and and is sort of goading William along and 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 saying you know this is where you can really be yourself and let things happen and uh, William uh, very reserved also I think he might be married to Logan's sister mm. I think yeah that's what I thought yeah I got that as well so uh, at any anyway, rate they they show up uh, we we follow William um. Uh, who is greeted by uh, a sexy lady in a white future dress. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I assume it's a future dress. Um, <laughs> very clean lines is all I'm saying. And she <laughs> she takes him into uh, a room that I really want to go to myself. Uh, oh, yeah. Which is a room where everything's been tailored for, for William. And he gets to pick out his outfit and six shooters or rifle or whatever he decides before going into Westworld. And she also lets it drop because uh, he asks her, and it's the bit from the trailer, are you real? Mm-hmm. And uh, she says, you know, if you can't tell, tell does it matter? Yeah. And he's like, well, hubba hubba, <laughs> but also no thanks. 
Uh, yeah, she's like, if you can't tell, does it matter? And at that point, I was like, zip. Um, what? Sorry, was I the only one? I was a bit. No, 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 no. It's just that <laughs> I, I'm trying to I'm trying to decide if it would be infidelity if two robots have sex, as we've established <laughs> that yeah. you are, you are really the robot consortium on the show uh, to yeah. represent their interests. Um, but yeah, uh, it's interesting point, Bo. Interesting. I, I like how you're doing this. You're throwing in tales of, you're throwing in like proper philosophical questions here, life questions. I think that's what we need to all ask ourselves. Right? Is Duncan real? And if he's not, the... if you can't tell, does it matter? <laughs> <laughs> he picks out the most boring outfit. It, Ever there, there was leather assless chaps there, and he went for a conventional cowboy. Who is he, Freddie Mercury? Do you think he's just going to wander around <laughs> Westworld with his ass hanging out? His ass hanging out with, with a Hoover, so going to want to break free. <laughs> I was thinking more fat bottom girls, but whatever. <laughs> oh dear. Well, no, he 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 shows up, and of course his buddy comes out. All dressed in black. Surprise the fucking prize. Um, and we, I, I really like this as well because they go out into what we think is just like a saloon area. Um, and he, he says to he says to his friend, you know, so how do how do we get to the park? And then things start moving, and we very much realise that they're on a train and they're in Westworld. They're now heading towards. Um, the town or what, what the staging area eh, for the park. Um, I thought that was brilliant. I thought it was really, really cool because it, it, it once again gives you an idea to the scope. I remember the, like the first time I went to, well, the first and only time that I went to Disneyland or Disney World in Florida, and um, I was like fifteen, and um, I was there with my dad, and we drove and we parked our car, and then we got this buggy thing from the car to this monorail system to get the monorail from one part to another and then a ferry across to the Magic Kingdom and I was like this we went through all these things before we actually even got in the park and this was just to you know just emphasize the scope of how big things were um, and I, that I kind of felt the same feeling um, watching this about this idea of you know they just open a door and they're in some place and now they're on a train and this train is taking them along this huge canyon towards this town that the Westworld is huge it's a massive area and you start to get an understanding why it costs what did you say forty thousand a day forty thousand a day sir ching yeah yeah that's right so yeah so they 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 head into town um on that train. Um, and we didn't see Teddy on the train, did we? I thought that was a no. Teddy I, train, I think you do see him, don't you? Do you? Maybe I in am. the background. I thought you did. Um, so this is the train that comes in every single morning. Um, so these are some new guests heading in. So yeah, that's the, that's our introduction. Um, like you said before, totally agree, one hundred percent. Jimmy Simpson, great actor. So as soon as he's on screen, I'm like, yeah. We're going to follow you for a while. I'm kind of happy about that. Can't wait to see what mischief you get up to. I still uh, get the uh, McPoyle creeps from him sometimes, though. He d- yeah, 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 yeah. It's, I mean, it's such a great role. Such right. Great it, role. It, it's not his fault. It's just that he's such a good actor that being creepy 
was how I came to love him. Um, also, a potential autobiography title. <laughs> so, um, so we also learned that Sweetwater, you know, it, it, to your point about the place being massive, the the main Sweetwater part of town is like the family friendly area. Yeah, and that it gets crazier the further out you go. Um, which, given the amount of murder <laughs> that you see in Sweetwater, I don't, you know. Yeah, it's kind of terrifying. <laughs> I, I I don't know that you want to bring the kids. No. <laughs> I mean, while technically safe for them, I don't know that you want to uh, <laughs> let them see uh, all the, the bloodshed. Um, and we see Dolores, who then has a uh, like a flashback mm-hmm. to um, looking into the town square and seeing everybody dead. And she goes to Maeve, the uh, uh, Thandy Newton. Is that right, Thandy? Uh, yeah, Thandy Newton. Okay, and she's she's like you. You called her like the the what was it the the whore mistress? I think uh, that is probably not the proper title. For some reason, the real one escapes me. A madam, maybe. Yeah, but yeah, madam. Like, so basically, people go into this establishment, and she she greets them, sets them up, really, and then passes them off to one of her girls. And um, that's she's almost like this. Uh, she's almost like a hostess of some description, um, and she always retells the same story. Um, and you know, it never changes. It's the same act every single time that someone comes in, and like I say, she she finesses them, puts them in a position that they can go away with one of her women. Um and yeah, she she's a great character actually. But yeah, she she has an interaction with um with Dolores, and then Dolores tells her those fantastic little lines which have escaped me again uh, from the previous episode that her dad told her. These um, violent delights have violent ends. Yeah, which we now know by this point that seems to be the trigger. That seems to be the, the the trigger phrase, which is which seems to unlock their subconscious memories or something. It does something. It, go, it makes them screwy, I believe, is a technical term. Um, and writing off her her interactions later on with a potential client kind of fall apart when she starts drifting off and what she's saying and getting a bit bit dark, bo, bit dark yeah. stuff. <laughs> Yeah, a, a tad. Turns out that's not sexy. <laughs> if you are someone staying in the nicer part of the holiday park and you just want a little bit of fun, you just want a little tug of rub. You don't want a. Uh, you do not want the creepy woman talking about the death of everyone and the death of innocence and everything is black. Um, yeah. So so she she's a uh, she's um she's passed on the code. The secret code. We don't. We don't know how many more people will have this code passed to them. But uh, yeah, we'll wait and see. But that, that we now know for a fact that is the trigger phase. We knew Kendall Ray knew in the previous episode, but this is the first time we've seen it. Like kind of cause an effect straight away into to another character. Yeah. So uh, they're yeah they're threatening to decommission uh Maeve like we we get a lot of these flashbacks and they keep kind of playing with her programming to try yeah. to make her a more effective horror bot yeah <laughs> like by increasing her aggression 
which I thought was quite funny. Yeah, that uh, one because, is funny. And once again, I, I quite like this idea as well because from from an from an acting point of view, it must be really interesting for those actors to play the same parts but get the option of right now you know like uh, you're going to do exactly the same lines you did before, but now you're sexually aggressive. Um, so the next time we see her run through that, she's far more said. She says to the bartender that she wants a, a glass of sherry and none of that cheap stuff that he strains through tights or something. Right. Which I thought was a great. I thought that was a great line. Just, just little tweaks to the personality. Um, meanwhile, Bo, um, yes. our buddy, the, the man in black, is on a mission. Yeah. Uh, so he's using scene. his his scalp map or whatever. His scalp map. Yeah, it's about as good as the name's going to get on this show. Scout Map, it's a, to be honest, is probably... This is the show that gave you, what was it, a, a Trash Man or Garbage... No, no, that's what they called, Band-Aid Nose Man, was what they actually called him in the show. So yeah, we, we're clearly, our show is scripted by the same people that wrote that X-Files episode. Um, For so. better or worse, because there were, there were moments. Um, yeah, so... Uh, Ed Harris has a scout map and yes. uh, shows up at a, a good old fashioned Western hanging Duncan. Yeah. I uh, love this mob justice. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I can't or, think of that phrase without thinking of the movie silver bullet. Oh, I love about silver. Yeah, bullet. I, know. I was thinking mob justice or what your American justice system will be like if Trump gets in. <laughs> uh, oh, I, we should be so lucky. <laughs> I don't. I mean, I think the death squads are going to get to us well before the posse's. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I loved. I I adored this scene because like Ed Harris is just in the back doing stuff, and like like we we obviously the last time we saw him, he'd scalped a guy. Um, but you know his mission is not, well, past. Everything else is resetting every day. Uh, the man in black's mission is not. So we have this guy, like you say, um, in the noose, about to get a good old hanging. Um, and Ed Harris shows up. And um, he speaks to the guy and says, you know, I really need to speak to my friend here. He says, well, you, of course you can speak to him once he's hung. Um, <laughs> then you can speak to him. Harris doesn't like that, kind of flashes a gun. Um, and so the guys get their guns out. And then once again... I, I, Small stylistic choices that I really like. I love the fact that we then zoom to the guy who's about to be hung, and then we just hear the guns go off and bodies smack against him. You know, <laughs> yeah. like smack is like a thud down because we don't need to see that. We're good. You, some people might be like, "Oh, well, they're cheaping it out." You know, they're cutting out the violence. Trust me, we get that later on. <laughs> what they don't give us in this scene—it's very clever to hold back on that so we can see what he does later on. And um, at first we think he's going to rescue this guy. At least I did. Um, and he does kind of rescue him, but turns out it has an ul- ulterior motive. The guy who he scalped had passed on his name uh, as as the potential for more information as to the location of this maze. So he kind of sets him free in that he cuts the rope, but then grabs in this rope and drags him behind his horse. Away! And we will go back to the man in black later on in the story. Yeah. Uh, we, we do cut to um, the control room that talks about the uh, the body count 
he is racking up. Yeah, they mentioned that he's he's already wiped out quite a few, and the, the word that is passed down is, um, you know, he's allowed to do what he wants. Right, so. right. That he's he is somebody. Uh, uh, again, the mystery thickens. Um, yes. So uh, from there we go, because uh, this is him taking Lawrence, who is the criminal, uh, back to the town. Yeah, back to his town. Yeah, back and, to uh, Lawrence's town where it, he, you know, he was a bandito from there. His wife and daughter are there as well as a lot of henchmen. Yes, a, a lot of his cousins. I quite, I kind of love this. I know we're jumping a wee bit ahead to talk about this, but this is what I mentioned earlier on about this idea of something that that is touched upon earlier on in the story in you know the first episode but is more mentioned specifically in a scene with uh, Anthony Hopkins later on but the man in black says that you know he's he's interacted with Lawrence many times in his visits but it never occurred to him that he came from a place that he had a family that you know, he never he never thought to inquire about that or ask about that. He'd never been to this small town, you know, to like to take him home or whatever. This was a whole area and story that he did not know existed within Westworld, and that's why he loves it more than real life. This is what this is what makes Westworld so special to him, is that every time you go, you can you know the possibilities are endless. There's so many side stories. There's so many caveats to to things that you do um, that it's almost like this endless possibility of, of experience, um, which I, 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 once again, I just love that idea. Um, and the way he says it as well, you know, it's like, you know, we're, we're this far into it now and, you know, I, I'm only just finding out this about you. I never thought, I never thought to question, you know, was he married? Did he have a kid? Where did he come from? You know, never thought of any of these things at all until this is the course he's been set on. Yeah. Which, um, until he yeah, needed him for this reason, yeah. Yeah, and then when he did, that's when it, it serviced. Um, and, and Hopkins says something to very much the same effect later on in the, the episode, specifically when he's kind of chastising the Lee for his new story. Because this is the thing that's going on in the background. Lee has this idea of he's going to do this new kind of cowboys and Indian storyline. It's going to be amazing. They're going to, he goes mental at a wee woman because the, the nose on the Indian looks like, in his words, a giant dick. Um, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, he'd like, <laughs> and he, and he lashes out at it too, which I like. Yeah. Yeah, hits it with a clipboard until it breaks um, and tells her to start from scratch. So we have we have that. This kind of playing in the background is that he has spent a lot of resources. He's all allowed to build 20 new hosts for the park, but he wants to put 50 in and he has a conversation with uh, Teresa who basically says to him, no, uh, you get 20, that's all you get, and that's you just have to make it work with that. Um, and it links in later on. Anthony Hopkins basically reiterates what the man in black says um, about this idea of the reason people keep coming back isn't because you're putting stories in there. It's the stories they make themselves in the park, the infinite possibilities of being able to 
just interact and do something one day and do something completely different in another day which affects the story in another way is the appeal of Westworld. And like I say, from a viewer point of view, the appeal of watching this show because we could, you know, it's essentially going to loop every day but our experiences as viewers are going to be different every day and that's exciting. Yeah, it, it really is an interesting dynamic where the fact that you're seeing the same thing only subtly different yeah. is significant, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Uh, do we want to wrap up the scene in town? Do we want to uh, uh, put a bow on the uh, the man in black? Um, or do we want to come back to that and and head back to yeah? Delos? We'll, 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 well, yeah, we'll, we'll come back to that. We'll, we'll flip to. Uh, how about Bernard and uh, 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 Colin? We yes, we yes. discover because uh, we see them in bed together. Yes, and they're. And uglies. They are they are doing it, Duncan. It <laughs> it in quotes. Um not it. Right. So uh they they are absolutely doing it, and then they're they have a quick conversation where they talk about uh the launch of something, uh, but it's never really expanded on that I know yeah. of. So I, that's one of those other Westworld mysteries uh, <laughs> hanging out there, and we're going to get a bunch of those. Uh, I think so, yeah. <laughs> and and so then we um, we have the scene with uh, Anthony Hopkins uh, that you had alluded to, where he kind of dresses down Lee and has the conversation about uh, um, you know the why the visitors are coming to the park. Uh, and, but I, I only bring that up again because the thing was called Odyssey on Red River. Yeah. Oh yeah. Which I thought was great because it references obviously Red River, you know, the classic John Ford Western. Uh, and, uh, also I love when they reveal the cast of Odyssey at Red River (laughs) and he's like, there's got to be vivisection and self cannibalism. Yeah. It's, it's it's pretty great. As, as bro, what, um, what we saw, like, because, like, we get a bit more, what do I say, we get, we get superficially kind of a bit more about Ford in this episode. Earlier on, he's actually in the park, um, and he has this interaction with this boy that's apparently wandering away from his, his, uh, his family. And once again, this episode does the thing of making you think I actually thought this was a real boy turns out it wasn't a real boy um, and they have this interaction where they walk together and you know like Ford shows him this trick because obviously he knows all the the keys to all the different parts of the the program he manipulates a snake and all the rest and we see this they walk for a certain distance together um kind of Ford just speaking his mind about life and things like that, kind of putting out his own personal philosophy, um, and then sends the boy away when they come to this black wood-like structure which has a cross on top of it. At this point, he basically you know, commands the boy to go back, and that's when we realise the boy is actually a robot um, and he moves back. So, Ford is in the park, like just walking around and stuff like that, and he has robots in the park who clearly are interacting with him for reasons yeah that i don't know why would that boy be so far out if that's not just something that ford set up to it's weird it's like you don't know exactly 
I get this impression that he just likes interacting with his creations, so he just puts them in places that he can interact with them. Um, we don't know how many times he's had this conversation with this boy. Uh, this could be, you know, this could be something that happens every week, very similar to to um, old Bill um, in the previous episode. But yeah, he, he has this full interaction, and we see this weird structure, and that's kind of pulls back at that point. We don't know anything else and about it until the very end of the episode. Um, and meanwhile, in town, um, we're still following like William and his friend, and his friend is having the the time of his life. He's, you know, been a, a for lack of a better word, dick. Um, he's chasing up the women. He's, you know, being abusive to people. And this guy appears at the table, the dinner table. This is a fucking great scene. Um, and he thanks him for early. Oh, thank you very thanks early on, son. You know, this kind of these weird eye patch and all the rest. And then he basically sets up what this character obviously must do within Westworld about this opportunity to find some treasure in their hills. Yeah, and across then, the river even, because I remember thinking like, oh yeah, okay, I guess we're really in this big expansive place. Yeah, he wants he wants to take them out there and he'll share it with him because he's helped them. And his friend's basically like, no, fuck off. And he's like, no, continues talking. And his friend grabs a steak knife and drives it through this robot's hand. Um, and obviously the robot's screaming out in pain. Obviously upsets William. Uh, but then they get up and leave. And this guy is impaled to a table through his hand. It's fucking gruesome. Um, I kind of love this scene because the next scene of his friend, he's like doing like three prostitutes all at the same time. And... Uh, William can hear it through the walls, and uh, the prostitute that he's with, uh, who's like the main, the main, uh, the main working girl of uh, uh, Clementine is Clem- the name of the character. Yeah, yeah, Clementine Pennyfeather. Great. That's a that's a, a a western prostitute's name. If ever I heard one, it's like Crystal Chandeliers, <laughs> uh, which is like the the equivalent seventies name. Um, Sorry, uh, or Felicity Shagwell, if you're uh, watching them, uh, Austin Powers. Um, well, uh, Fendi Newton's too is Maeve Malay, you know. Yeah, that's... yeah I know. It's, it's brilliant. I love it. Um, so, so they're they're up in the room, and she's trying to make the moves on William, but William's basically, I've got someone I love, someone real I love back at home. Uh, meanwhile, Maeve's sexual aggressiveness. Uh, has kind of got her in a wee spot of trouble, so she's now been reprogrammed again, um, and they try and make her more, what it's like more sympathetic or something, and that seems to work for a bit until she malfunctions again, um, and then we get this really kind of almost horrific scene where we see her being worked on by these two surgeons who are cleaning her out. I think, I think that's what the head Yeah. Well, we doing. get, we get the flashback where we've been getting glimpses of this thing, but she had one of her previous incarnations was a woman living on the frontier with her daughter yes. and yeah. Indians come and murder them. <laughs> and she's having this, these flashbacks of this daughter that she had for you know whoever how however long she was programmed to have a daughter 
yeah. being murdered over and over and over. Yeah, and she's already, when she was speaking to Clementine earlier on, they talk about these dreams that Clementine's having. Um, and she says to him that, you know, if you're ever experiencing a dream, what I do is I close my eyes, I count to three in the dream, and then I wake myself up. So she's having this dream while she's being worked on by these two, frankly, ridiculous porters, um, who are basically cutting into her stomach. And while she's having this vision, she does the count to three, open your eyes. And she opens her eyes and she is awake. But she's not in Westworld. She's in the actual company building. (laughs) Kind of of freaks out a little bit because she's got a gaping hole in her stomach. Um, She freaks out the two orderlies who are visibly, you know, shocked that she's up. She grabs a scalpel threatens him off, and then runs, and she comes across one of the kind of storage workhouses for the hosts uh, just before she's injected with a, with something to basically knock her out. Yeah, uh, well, she sees guys. Teddy. Yeah, she sees Teddy shot, because Teddy, Teddy and her are having a converse, conversation, and this is the brutality of the show. This is what I kind of love about it, is that any time they can kill a character, and then just bring them back in the next episode or later on in the show. <coughs> so when a character's like shot, it is jarring, but you're going to see that character again. And Teddy's having a really nice conversation with with uh, Maeve, and out of nowhere, a guy shoots him because it's his last day on his holiday. Yeah, that's that is the whole reason he guns it. He guns Teddy down. It's his last day. He wants to go out on his last day with a bang. And, and what I kind of love about this moment, I know I'm interrupting you talking about this scene, which is really good, but what I love so much about this moment is it's a character from the first episode that we thought was human first, yes. then, a, then a robot, but certainly a an important character. Yeah. And in this episode, he's in it very little, and when he is in it, he just gets wantonly murdered yeah, and, and tossed into this closet. Out. Yeah, just absolutely wiped out, and he, she, she comes across his body in this kind of glass case, so to speak, um, just before she's inje- injected and dragged off. Um, so, so we have that going on. Um, meanwhile, Man in Black, let's let's get to this ball, right? So, so Man in Black has saved, um, he saved Lawrence, dragged them back to his his village. Uh, where he's reunited with his wife and stuff, and the bartender notices Man in Black, gets a bit paranoid, puts out a distress call for Lawrence's cousins. Um, I will let you handle this bit, sir, because this this is this this was a fun fun sequence. Yeah, this is pretty good because it starts off as kind of traditional Western stuff, if it, albeit brutal. I would liken it to something like Tombstone, mm. you know, where Ed Harris is saying hey, I've got this map. I need the entrance to the maze. And I know you can point me there. So, you know, let's let's do this. Go ahead and and, and give me the information. Lawrence refuses. Um, So he, you know, the Ed Harris starts making some threats and out come all the cousins. And what follows is just a, uh, like a massacre from Ed Harris (laughs) as he murders everyone. And of course they can't, hurt him yeah so even though he's being shot occasionally uh he he just can with indiscriminately kill everyone in this town 
I love the fact he uses a knife as well. He doesn't even go <laughs> yeah. with a gun this time. He just starts slicing throats. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's because he can be hurt. So why not? Why not get up close and personal? And then he he tells Lawrence, the uh, the guy who he's rescued, um, that he's going to murder the wife and kid and and says uh this is what i love like this is when the uh the robots are most human and he said it like that by the way when the robots are are most human is when they're under extreme duress and 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 pain and so he's gonna kill the the you know lawrence bot's little girl yeah and at which point uh lawrence bot's daughter breaks character (laughs) yeah which is like the craziest thing because it's been this like high octane western scene and threats and he's clearly the villain and then all of a sudden this little girl is like the maze isn't meant for you yeah it's 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 like it's weird it's it's almost like him doing what he does and and the way he does it triggers a different part of her programming you know what I mean? I, I I really dug that. It's almost as if Lawrence, he, he had to get Lawrence to take Lawrence to this point to do this thing to get the daughter's character to change her program to say, you know, to to you know, like you say to break character to say this. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's brilliant as well. It's, it's almost like you have to. Cr- to crack the code of something, you need to do something a particular way. There's a long way to do things to get, you know, because she she wouldn't say boot a ghost before, um, and then in this circumstance, yeah, she and it, she sounds completely different as well. She's like, it's like almost as monotone voice of you know the maze the maze is not it's not meant for you, um, it, and yeah. you know, it's kind of creepy like that she goes. From being like this, this uh, completely sympathetic character in danger, yeah, to kind of a creepy girl, and <laughs> it's it's really it's good. It's really, it's really, really, really good. Um, and of course, the man in black uh, does not heed the warning. He wants to find the maze, uh, and off he sets to 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 go to said maze as part of his journey. Continues on. Um, and and like we say, we we mentioned earlier on that we had this uh, we had this great demonstration um, of the new program that's going to run at the park. And Hopkins is brilliant in this because he's like that. Ah, yeah, we're going to do this. We're going to do this, and this is the name of it. And, and, and what do you think? And he's just like that. No, <laughs> I don't like <laughs> it. Don't like it. So did what did you mean? Don't like it? And he spells it out like we said earlier on that. You know, the whole point of the the park is for people to put their own fantasies in it. All I see in this story is you. This is you. This is this is not you're telling people how to experience it as opposed to people actually experiencing it. And then he says, "Is there anything? Is there anything about my presentation that you like?" And he's like, "That the boots, <laughs> right?" <laughs> it's like all that work, yeah, for nothing. For as much we're, uh, as we're talking about, you know, how dark the show can get, and, and it certainly can, yeah. uh, it is frequently very funny as well. I mean, it's yeah. it's got a, a somber feel to it, but um, uh, there there are moments. Um, it needs it. It needs a yeah. wee bit. Of, it, it's like, it needs those things. It's like, once again, watching like something like Game of Thrones, 
every now and again you have a character in Game of Thrones that's pretty funny on the screen and you need that because you, there's only so much you know child burning like sister raping that you can watch um, before you actually start questioning why you're putting yourself through this um, and this show once again it has it has that kind of it has that kind of level. Without being overtly funny, there are things that happen in it that, that will make you smile um, or maybe even just kind of a small chuckle to yourself. Um, but the the episode finishes with uh, Ford uh, walking away with uh, Bernard basically saying that he has something up his sleeve, some secret plan, the next step for the park and they're back at the wooden structure with the cross that we saw earlier on. Um, and what is it, Bo? And what does it mean? And we we, we said we would speculate um, because we don't know yet. Uh, and I don't have a clue. I genuinely do not have a clue what I, this means. I know what I want it to going. be. What do you think it's going to be? Or what do you want it to be? What, what if he tries to inject religion into their programming? Oh, all right. That they have a central religious beliefs. Because I don't think that's something we've seen in this town or any of these robots, you know, have no. any of these affectations of, of religion or anything. But like, Well, there's you, not a preacher robot or anything like that there. Doesn't seem to be. Seen. I mean, I could be totally off base about this, but what I would love to see because I've... Like, here's what I find fascinating about this, uh, about this show uh, in general is I am I'm so transfixed with the idea of consciousness waking up mm-hmm. and and these robots becoming self-aware and starting to understand that they have an existence yeah and that kind of stuff really intrigues me and then if you start to incorporate like fundamentals of civilization as well then you have mm-hmm. all the ingredients for you know like the these robots to not only rise up against their masters but to truly want to create their own civilization. Like, I know that's grand, but if we're talking about this show running for several seasons, how can it not go in the direction of these things start to form their own society? Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. And actually, I think um, that would be, it would be be fascinating. It would be fascinating to see if they, how they do it as well. Would be really interesting, and obviously so we've got this whole. Th- what is the what is the maze? Um, sure. What how how does the how does the man in black one know about the maze, and two, why is he so hell bent? Is it just the pursuit of like a new game, a new challenge within the game, so to speak, or or does he know roughly what's at the maze? So we've got, we've got all that floating around in the background. In the meantime, we have this this curse code, kind of spreading through, awakening the the kind of buried memories of robots within there. We have a a, a plot at the highest levels with uh, Teresa Cullen's character. Um, what is this ulterior thing that the company wants? Um, how will it affect the robots in the park? Um, we didn't get much of Dolores in this episode. Uh, so it'll be interesting to nip back with her and see what's happening with her. Um, I get the feeling that, um, you know, because we didn't get much of Teddy's story either, uh, the next episode might focus a bit more on Teddy and Dolores, carry that element over, which would be pretty cool. 
and yeah, I think um, I'm hooked. I'm I'm actually hooked. I finished the second episode just before we started recording, and it finished, and I was like that. I'm see if I had like four, I would be sitting up to ridiculous o'clock binge watching this because I am 100% hook line and sinker with this show. Uh, yeah, I think it's real, real good so far. Um, you know, it, it's, as I was saying, I think it's philosophically intriguing and that's not something you can say about a lot of television. Mm-hmm. Uh, incredibly well acted. Uh, the scene, I think it's in the second episode where they're, uh, it's, it's Ford and, uh, Bernard, I, I want to say walking through, uh, the Dallas facility and they're like, you see various stages of a robot horse oh yeah and it's such a cool transition where you see you know this skeleton thing and then finally a you know a real in quotes horse and it's that kind of thing that i i like about this show this idea that everything is sort of about evolution Mm. and and how how does a society uh evolve and consciousness evolve and stuff like that and 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 speaking of evolution, what about devolution and the idea of humanity itself being given free reign? All we would do is rape and pillage, as they say in this episode. Um, I, I, I think it's a really interesting critique. Right now, it's a very simple one, but I think there's plenty of room to uh, to go into a lot of depth. I'm, I'm really interested to see what surprises uh, we have in store for us for uh, the character of William and Logan or characters of, uh, I, I I, like, they seem too normal (laughs) on the the surface. And, and I think that can't last, uh, something fishy is going to happen at some point with one or both. I would assume Logan, you know, he, he seems like the guy who might maybe know more than he's talking about. And, uh yeah to reiterate uh, what you said the stuff about the maze I, I i can't wait to find out about that stuff but um yeah i think i think it's so far it's it's a super strong you know uh freshman and sophomore episode mm-hmm. uh one of the strongest openings to a show i've seen in a while yeah so. I, I can i can only think my my only kind of comparison is i, I feel about this show two episodes in the way I did about True Detective. Yeah. I first watched, just where I felt like I'm watching something I've just... A different standard of television and something that I've just not seen before. Um, and if it does go down a kind of more philosophical, um, evolutionary idea of, you know, the evolution of the synthetics and the devolution of, of, of humanity... That's a fascinating topic. You know, that's that's sci-fi. That's and proper. All on a sci-fi. spaceship too. And all on a spaceship with more people. Um, yeah, but uh, you mean that's that's that is proper science fiction, and a lot of things get dubbed as sci-fi now, and it's like Mega Shark versus Mecha Croc. Um, that's not science fiction. It's no. nonsense. They like proper science fiction at its core asks the questions, asks the philosophical questions and puts it, you know, in the realms of of science and humanity and you know, that's that's the purpose of, of good science fiction and there is a distinct lack of good science fiction out there just now that Westworld could be that new standard bearer 
for for science fiction moving forward in the golden age of TV. Because shows like you know Star Trek and things like that, they did their bit and they've had their bit. And again, there's a new one coming back. They're doing a new show and stuff like that. But in the age that we have shows like Hannibal, we have shows like True Detective, we have shows like Game of Thrones, we have shows like Breaking Bad. Westworld could be that science fiction show to to raise that genre, give it the credibility it so desperately needs, and at the same time become almost like the standard bearer for, for science fiction moving forward. And what an exciting time. Westworld on TV, Blade Runner 2 getting made. Um, yeah. I'm genuinely excited. I cannot wait to get through this. I don't know how many. I think there'll probably be like ten episodes. I think so. Um, ten is the first season, I believe. So we are we are a fifth of the way through this season already, and uh, yeah, very excited. Can't wait to come back and do more of these uh, following the season right through. Yeah, it, I, I I'm in the same boat. I think it uh, it's going to be real fun and. I like I like your idea that this could legitimize science fiction the same way that say Game of Thrones legitimized fantasy. Yeah. In a, in a big way. I mean not that Lord of the Rings and that sort of thing wasn't taken seriously. I know Return of the King won an Oscar. Shut up with your emails. <laughs> uh but as far as television fantasy, there was nothing legit no. out there really. Uh no. if there was, you know, there now you can send your emails. Um. <laughs> so yeah, I I like that, and I I think you're right. I think this could approach Trekian levels of social commentary because yeah. you've got a blank canvas. You can kind of tell any story you want. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, you're confined to the old west and you know super future corporation building or whatever. But as we expand, because we still don't know a ton about what the world outside of Westworld is like. And if if they've cured all these diseases and you can bring people back from the dead and stuff, what does that look like? What is what does Earth look like now? Yeah, um, all that stuff I'm incredibly curious about. So, uh, thank you everyone for listening to us so far. Uh, mm-hmm. Please come back and listen to us again as we talk about more of Westworld. Uh, Duncan, parting thoughts on uh, episode the second. Um, yeah, this one is about as strong as a second episode gets, I think. Um, I think it's it's doing everything right at the moment. It's, it hasn't put a foot wrong. I can't, I can't think of anything in either episode that I disliked. Um, yeah, if, if you have not heeded our advice while listening to this and have listened to this and not watched the two episodes, uh, we have spoiled them completely for you, but go and check out this show. Um, if you watch the first two episodes and are kind of uh, maybe not sure if you want to continue on, I say you know, throw caution to the wind and do it. Um, this is this is an exciting time um, to to be into TV. An exciting time to to have these options of these sort of shows on hand. And Westworld is just fulfilling. Um, you know, I. I it's fulfilling something that should have happened a long time ago, um, which is this this idea of a, an upscaling of of a particular genre, which is woefully underrepresented just now uh, in TV, and then it's doing it in the best way. It, and it's a, it's an adult TV show, you know, it's, it's dealing with like adult issues uh, whilst being in a a setting which is completely unrealistic. I think it's wonderful. I, I'm 
yeah, more. Give me more. All right, you heard the robot. Give him more. Uh, we always appreciate it when Duncan can power up <laughs> and uh, enjoyed us to talk uh, Westworld. So uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. As always, you can uh, check us out on iTunes uh, over at legionpodcasts.com uh, where uh, you tend to get the episodes a few hours early. So if you get weird about things, uh, you can find us over there before it drops on iTunes. And... Uh, uh, on the Twitter at Legion Podcast, uh, Duncan, where can people find you, sir? Hey, you can find me primarily on the podcast Under the Stairs, Facebook group page, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash cast on iTunes and on Legion Podcast Network. Well done, sir. Uh, thank you uh, all again for listening and, uh, and, and thanks to uh, <laughs> suggesting that we do it in the first place. It's been a tremendous amount of fun. I feel like we have uh, coined a few phrases tonight, uh, and and I can only expect more in the future. So, Duncan, thank you so much for being here. It's awesome. I can't wait. I'll speak to you all very, very soon. Bye. Bye. Early night, Maeve? Feeling a bit out of sorts. Clementine can pick up the slack. Thank you.